Lime. <laughs> um, limes tangoing on a tightrope. What up, everybody? It's Kiki, and welcome back to another episode of Not Your Dad's Table Top. Um, today we are going to be talking about homebrew. Homebrew. But before we get into that, we've got Sir Darius. What's up, y'all? It's Darius. In lieu of a fun fact, since it's the new year, we're recording this like a couple days after the New Year's. My New Year's resolutions was to rededicate myself to learning Spanish. The Lord. <laughs> um, and <laughs> learning and learning geography. Uh, I realize <laughs> I don't know really jack shit about states and countries and cities of like around the world so i decided i'm just going to like google google the map and just start learning countries so i've started with morocco i know that it touches the mediterranean sea and is connected to the atlantic sea uh so i'm going to be starting i say morocco i really started with africa and then i just picked morocco so i'm like now i know where that is and i know uh, some geography geographical things about it yeah I can tell and you girl. don't know geography because you called it geographical. <laughs> Is that what I called it? You did say <laughs> geographical. My different. My different. <laughs> Y'all, it's I can't say it's been a day. I've been chilling. Maybe it's been a day because I've been chilling so much. I've learned so much <laughs> Spanish. Claro que sí, amigo. Donato and. <laughs> And we got Chris. Hey, it's Chris. It's your boy back in town again. I didn't do a resolution because I know it's going to happen in a month. Anyway, uh, my fun fact that I prepared is that the animals found at the bottom of the Marianas Trench are believed to be descended from animals from the Arctic Circle, as that's the place where water is as cold and as pressurized as the Marianas Trench interesting not really but you know it's a fact <laughs> you said mariana's trench and i was expecting something scarier because there's some, mean, i've heard some scary shit about well beasts that live to, to be frank there. the stuff that's down the trench itself are actually not that scary looking because it's so deep they can't afford to be scary looking <laughs> I guess they're not like fucking angler fish, which are the stuff of nightmares. Who did that? And we got Jordan. Hey yo, um, I guess my uh, fun fact will be that uh, if you want your New Year's resolution to work, the best thing is to not make it a New Year's resolution. Just start it. It doesn't matter if it's in the middle of May. Um, like for some reason, making it a New Year's resolution makes it less likely that you're actually going to stick with it. So just decide that you're going to start doing something and start doing it. And, uh, you know, um, plus ultra or something. You should be on TV. <laughs> or, you know, it's the fact that um, people are starting new habits in the dead of winter. Um, and it just really doesn't make sense. I'm gonna start exercising. 
yeah, who wants to go and try to be like a better human being when it's like 20 degrees outside? Not this mm-hmm. guy. But I mean, Not if this you, girl. This is like the yeah, best like, time yeah, if you're working out, though. You start now to get the summer body. Like, if you're not doing it now, like you ain't, it ain't gonna happen. It's true. I'm my, definitely not gonna do it when it's hot. My summer hell, body but... is my winter body. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I'm fine all the time. Hot, attractive. <laughs> this is true. Can't compare. Desirable. Ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Seven out and of three. Some, and somehow attainable. Um, my my fun fact um for you all is uh i'm gonna tell you what i'm snacking on for uh my podcast uh my podcast snack so i've got these little um firecracker crackers um that i bought from the store typically every time i've had these somebody has had to make them and they've been awesome but i bought these from the local harps and uh they're really not that bad um, I also have some olives, unpitted, because a girl likes a little brine in the evening. And I also have a non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing Company. They are not sponsoring us. That is a shame. Um, it is extra dark. So, I, I have a good. donut and a water bottle full of ice and not water. You are doing something. I'm I'm sure. He's a madman. He's a madman. Okay. Anything anything else from uh the chorus before we jump in? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> okay. Never. So um first things first, homebrew. Uh I feel like with homebrew you either love it or you don't. If you're a DM, uh, and uh, what is homebrew? What is homebrew? Um, basically, it is anything that is not wow, Chris. This face, I need you to just support <laughs> me just a little bit, just a little bit. Homebrew oh. is basically anything that is not in the modules already. Chris? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Duh. Come on. Come on. You're just just as red as a beet. Are you going to take over or not? Am I supposed to? Um, Homebrew could get real wild. I think there's a whole website dedicated to it. And there's some absurd shit on it, though. There's some crazy bullshit on that. Um, Like, you know, Monsters are probably the worst, but there's also like my sword gives me a whole other character class, that kind of shit. You know? <laughs> uh this artifact lets me shoot beams that are awful lot like Kamehameha waves. It's almost like you just stop <laughs> playing D D and you're just playing a whole different game. Yeah, it's just it can get super wild. Um I think I tend to be on the more conservative side of homebrew. Uh, I think we talked about this in our <laughs> on our first time playing episode where Jordan approached me with some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, he didn't know. He was neither, ignorant. Well, neither did I. And ever since then, I've been a little tentative. To, to <laughs> so. But yeah. I think 
I think today we're talking about homebrew specifically for helping characters in a non-broken way. Starting Probably. off. Starting off. Yeah. Um, so the reason why I'm like uh kind of in charge of this episode is because I'm not really a homebrew person. So I'm not gonna be doing much adding to this uh conversation. I mean, like I've read some stuff and um I listen to plenty of things that are homebrewy, but uh I don't I don't typically do it myself like as a DM or as a player. Um so yeah, we're talking about rules, uh first off. Um, did you, D Darius? Did you get your dice? Yeah, it's in front of me. On okay, this computer, on this uh, screen of my phone. <laughs> okay, so roll for roll for initiative to see who is going to get Boom. to talk about um, their shit first. Shout out to the my, two crew. What are my modifiers? Oh my god. Um, who we get modifiers? Yeah, go ahead. Let's just homebrew it. What's my modifiers? Um, let's see. Darius in real life is a cleric. Oh, am I really? Oh, I guess I am. Of course you are, <laughs> moron. Um, Chris in real life is like an artificer. Um, That's true. And Jordan in real life is barbarian. <laughs> a bard. Oh, barbarian. And do you love me? Uh, music. So, with that being said, I. I don't know what your modifiers are. I should be. I should get a plus five so for being your husband. Homebrew rule. Oh, plus five being my husband. That's pretty good. Hey, we, I, I should probably get a plus six for getting you married to your husband. <laughs> oh, that is pretty good, Jordan. What you got? Um, I have dreads. That's like so, a seven. You know, that's, that's like, like a, a plus seven. twenty right there. That's like that's a seven. Like a, yeah, that's that's the highest thing up there for sure. Y'all get plus ones for being very humans. I rolled a 13. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, I got a two. Eat okay. Shit, Darius. So the order of operations is Chris, Jordan, Darius. Uh, Chris, Chris, give us a couple of your rules. Sure. Um, to start off, I have a whole Google Doc. Um, to start off, a really simple one. Uh, magic items. Mm. So if you're like me and you start off with just the your first module and the dungeon master's guide and you want to give your players cool shit you'll come to realize very quickly that there are too many swords there are too many swords it's all fucking swords i think there were like 13 swords and there's one bow <laughs> uh and that's that's besides like just giving them a plus one or two or three weapon you know there, there's only the oath bow in the dungeon master's guide and it's very similar with other weapons. Um, I think there was like one or two axes, one or two hammers, that kind of thing. Um, there's almost nothing to assist people that don't use weapons like that. For example, there's staffs that monks can use for like striking as your first action. But then for stuff like Flurry of Blows, where you have to use your unarmed strikes, there's nothing in the book to improve that so you know i you, as a dm you should try to help out your players as much as you can to e even the playing field so that there's not just one person that dominates combat because they they took swords you know what i mean you mean the fighter <laughs> or the paladin yeah um, uh so for 
an example of this, uh, you could do the cool new tattoos that Tasha's introduced, but instead of uh, like uh, an AC tattoo, you could introduce one that's like adds plus two or plus three to your unarmed strikes, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, you could also mix and match. There's some weapons that, uh, for example, there's just like the Dragon Slayer stuff that says uh, Dragon Slayer weapons have to be either an axe or a sword. It could be a hammer. Don't worry about it. Um, Critical Role also did something that I really liked, which is uh, there's some weapons that require certain races or classes to wield. And that's fine. But I like it when you can bullshit your way into getting like a. <laughs> they had a uh, a barbarian that ended up being able to wield a uh, a holy avenger, which is a high level paladin sword. Uh, granted, it was the zealot barbarian, so it made sense because they're kind of like a baby paladin. But oh. I thought it was still very good. Yeah. I so think, yeah, uh, but Napa did something similar to that too with a. Uh... I can't remember if the king's queen's hammer is actually a homebrew idea or not, but just the item itself was. It was supposed to be wielded by dwarves. By dwarves, yeah, more wise. And, and, and the... a hard one was everything but a dwarf at one point. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, like, you, you, it's it's cool. I think stuff like that can be cool. Um, I guess if you're just talking about like homebrewing requirements for weapons, if um, if it's like set up right, um, yeah, I think I like th those are nice when you can like twist the, find the loophole in the lore that lets your character wield it then it's interesting and then it has some meaning rather than it's just yo i want my guy just to have the holy avenger or i want him to have the dark dragon soul blade even well, though it, it says would, it only a dragon be, can wield it it would also be silly to be like the holy avengers in this world and it's in this campaign but we don't have any paladins <laughs> It's, so <laughs> so you're out of luck it's just sitting there like he yeah. actually so isn't that I, I that's hope you worse. Have a paladin i hope i create a paladin like hireling for you or something <laughs> and then like touching on like just the weapons of there only being like 20 different swords and then one over one other bow you can always do like the quick the quick little option of just like i take this sword that has all these abilities and you know what I make it a bow. Now my yeah, ranger can use it. That's what it I'm now. saying. So, for example, there's, um, I think it's called the Nine Life Stealer Sword, and it's essentially like a uh, <laughs> a warrior's power word kill. If you crit on them with the sword and they have less than a hundred HP, they make a saving throw. If they fail, they die. But the sword only has at most nine charges. Nine. Nine killer, yeah. nine slayer sword, whatever. Um, uh, although you technically, I it's very unlikely that you'll have all nine charges when you get it. Um, but and once it's once it's done, it's just a regular plus two weapon. But you could easily do that with a bow. Uh, what they initially tried for five e when it you know the dungeon master's guide came out is instead of having a magic bow, they wanted you to have disposable magic arrows, which was infinitely worse. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could always just say like, "Oh, uh, magic weapons are powered by um, 
stones in the pommel or, you know, so on and so forth. And if you pop those out, you can just wear them as a medallion. And now your unarmed strikes can, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, shoot flames or whatever. Ooh, you know, just, like a set of tattoos, you like it jewels embedded in your fists. Yeah. Mm. Or you can melt down a weapon into like gauntlets or something. Yeah, just whatever's cool. Because yeah. honestly, like D&D, it's really just telling a story. And the rules are there so that, you know, it's not just, oh, uh, my uh, barbarian lifts a mountain and <laughs> crushes it. <a> <laughs> And kills it in one blow because that's not fun for anyone. Right, the campaign's so, over. It's like it oh. might be fun for one person. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when the rules are getting in the way of fun, just like throw them out. <laughs> well, um, so that's my first idea. Just you know, don't feel limited to magic items that are preset. Um, I know in uh uh tomb of annihilation there's a bunch of garbage that i just didn't bother with and i <laughs> i just kind of sprinkled the items i wanted to see <laughs> um number two this is more of a personal pet peeve um whoa i think i know this one uh paladins yep. yeah uh paladins technically cannot smite without a weapon in their hands uh, per the rules, they have to make a melee weapon attack. So if I just tried to punch someone, I couldn't channel the holy power of my god. I need to have at least a chicken leg in my hand. <laughs> that seems dumb as hell to me. I I think I know why they did this, and I've talked to Darius about this. Mm -hmm. um, I might get in trouble for this. Uh, if paladins could smite with their bare fists, why would you ever play a monk? Word. <laughs> because monks are cool and do different shit than paladins. Yeah, but like you want to also... punch somebody and, and do four damage or punch somebody and call down the lightning of God upon them. Darius, in any anime, what's cooler? The flurry of blows that does nothing or that one punch that like cracks the earth behind them? Uh, Saitama? Yes. Uh -huh. Objectively speaking, yes. The paladin outclasses the monk in most ways, but it's still cool to be able to play something different and have a different skills. Different. And I think that's why they don't, they've worded it the way they did is that your paladin can't be better at the monk that, at punching. <laughs> right. But it really, but and I, you it's, know, it's whatever. stupid that they need a stick to channel God. It definitely is. <laughs> I, I, I agree with Chris on that. Like, that's a homebrew. I was like, let the let the paladin punch with the divine fury of their god or goddess. Like, just, it's cool. The monk will be fine if the monk and paladin are the together. Monk is not fine. It has so many problems. The monk <laughs> is fine. Not, yo, we talk about homebrews, whatever. I'm not going to get into this with you. <laughs> with your objective bullshit. Tune in for our D&D &D ranking episode. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's my second one, and my final one, and it's probably the most in depth. Is <laughs> okay. So uh, Tasha's introduced the sidekicks um, mechanic, 
which is very similar to Hirelings, where you have essentially uh, a very generic version of standard archetypes. So there's like the warrior class, not the fighter, the warrior, um, which is like suspiciously like the uh, champion fighter. Those names have been flipped, but anyway. <laughs> there's also like spellcaster, uh, your mage character, right? Uh, there's uh, expert, which is like your roguish uh, bar, jack of all trades kind of guy. Um, but I was reading that, and I saw the warrior, and one of the examples they had was a wolf. And that got me thinking, what if we just fixed Beastmaster <laughs> by Beastmaster Ranger by completely getting rid of all of its subclass features and just saying, hey, as a Beastmaster, you permanently have <laughs> a warrior sidekick <laughs> that you control. You essentially have two very simple characters because you have a ranger with no subclass and the warrior with you know, the warrior, which is a very simple character to learn. Okay. <laughs> you posit that to Wizards of the Coast. You take that to the... See you guys don't like that? Him. I thought it was genius. <laughs> I, 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 was I think the like... ranger should get to do something other than command oh. a warrior wolf, which is cool. Well, okay, so it's you know a hunter's more, mark. It's a bit more depth than that. I was thinking that the warrior, warrior animal, because it doesn't have to be a wolf, uh, benefits from all the ranger's abilities like Hunter's Veil, or sorry, Nature's Veil, Favored Foe, Hunter's Mark. It gains those benefits against, you know, it gains everything the ranger gets. You might even get more creative with being like, if you cast like Cure Wounds on yourself, it also heals the wolf or whatever. Like half the health or something. That's yeah. cool. Uh, and then I was thinking like, well... If you wanted to do that, uh, one of the things I did like about the rework from Tasha's is that you could have three forms of, you know, beast of the land, beast of the sky, beast of the water. So I was thinking uh, you could have any animal, essentially, although its challenge rating has to be lower than your level. Because, you know, you don't want a level one character running around with a T-Rex. <laughs> Well, why uh, not though? I mean, that's dope I mean, as hell. I mean, the barbarians lifting mountains and crushing the BBEG. You might as well. Level what? All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but starting initially, I, I figured we would like copy the druid in its limitations of starting at level one. You can only have one form, which is a land animal. So you. You know, starting level one, you probably well, you wouldn't be at level one; it'd be like level three. You would have your wolf, or just a normal wolf, um, but with like all the bonuses of the uh, warrior subclass. Then I think it's at level four, the druid unlocks a swim speed. So now you have your second form, which is you can have a your uh, your beast warrior sidekick companion transform henshin beast mode into like a water creature you that mean it, doesn't, falls... it doesn't evolve <laughs> well because it can switch <laughs> between the two 
uh, and you could do ev evolutions as well. Because uh, obviously, you don't want to stay as a wolf forever for its base stats. Uh, once you hit, like, I think, what are dire wolves are like challenge rating four or something? That or much accurate. lower. Um, be honestly, the re reason I'm doing this is because beasts in D&D &D are terrible. <laughs> They're really bad. Um, yeah, so once you hit that level, you can switch to a dire wolf, which has better stats, more attacks, blah, blah, blah. Um, and eventually, as you level up, you'll hit, like, uh, you know, T-Rex territory. <laughs> However, I realize that for people that play Beastmaster, it's usually because they have a specific animal in mind. Uh, for example, I, it might be fun for me to play with, like, my ultra-powerful golden retriever. <laughs> uh, so I would say it's just an easy fix. You could just reskin animals on top of each other. So as stupid as it would be for a T-Rex to be running around as a golden retriever, it has a bite attack, and it probably has a tail attack, which you can be like, is my golden retriever's wagging tail? <laughs> it's so happy it's killing someone. Um, I mean, my dog's tail would absolutely knock you out if you're not careful. For sure, it's at least it's at least a, a D four. At least, and to make this not as busted as having two characters, um, certain considerations could be made. Like if you want to give your animal weapons, uh, Dark Souls, Great Wolf, Sith style, um, you're gonna have to make it so that they can change with them which will require a specialist to, like, enchant it or something, since that's not in the game. Um, but yeah, that's basically... Oh, and of course there's, like, you would have to choose between multi-attacking and extra attack, because um, you can't do both, because that would be broken as hell. Uh, but yeah, that's basically uh, my homebrew idea that I had for the Beastmaster. It probably doesn't fix it. I would also have you can use Nothing like a second level spell slot you. to revive your beast. Um, I I, w I was even floating the idea if you do it like pawpaw style from Nadpod, where his normal plot base pawpaw form has pure plot armor, but then when you shoot him into battle, uh, <laughs> Digimon style almost, and he digivolves into his actual beast mode, then he has stats and can die. I like how all your homebrew ideas, you started off with the pretty, like, overarching concept that would affect most players, and then you basically got into, I want this class to be better, and turned it into, uh, how can it's, I? <laughs> Just well, a complete class makeover. <laughs> to be fair, the Beastmaster Ranger is, it's very clear that people want it to be good, since it it's, as far as I know, the only subclass that has ever gotten an, a second edition, you know? In inside this edition, <laughs> and it still didn't quite work because, uh, and we'll talk about this in a later episode. But basically, really? the the rework they did doesn't even interact with the rest of the subclass that they didn't change. So they lost features doing that. But yeah, hey. that's me. All right. Uh... Jordan. So, I really only have, actually, I have a couple of ideas. Um, so, my first idea 
there is a cantrip that is super, super problematic. And if you're familiar with D and D, it has a few bad like, Twitter posts. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not like beginner level uh, familiar. Probably more like intermediate. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about, and it's True Strike. If you are any type of competent in the game, you know that you never take true strike, no matter what. Like it, it's there are better options true. every time, guaranteed. Can you tell and us so, what true strike is? Oh, right. A uh, true strike, it is a cantrip that takes an entire action. And so if you're in the middle of combat, that's it, it's your turn. That is your turn. You get movement, maybe a bonus action, and you get true strike. And all you're doing is preparing your next attack, which will be on the next round, so that you get advantage on it. So you're giving up one attack to get advantage on your next attack, which is basically... When you could have just swung twice in two turns. Yeah. Like you, if both of your uh, attacks hit, you get double the damage that you would get on a true strike. It's and and true strike isn't a sure thing either. It's just advantage. Right. You might miss that attack too. It's it's a really horrible cantrip. I'm not exactly sure what Wizards of the Coast was thinking. So they was running out of ideas. That's what they was thinking. <laughs> My fix for that is that it's no longer a cantrip. It is just an action that is available for any character to take at will. You know, if you are willing to concentrate on landing one attack, then your next attack will have advantage, just straight up. Wait, but what does that change? Even if you take it from being, you took it from being a cantrip and made it an I action, mean, but that doesn't change anything. Now it just anything. means that spellcasters don't have it exclusively. Yeah. But, but I don't think fighters would particularly enjoy it either. Okay, like, what it does I thought you were going to be like, and then it becomes a bonus action. Uh, no. Um, I would have said that the rogue gets it as part of their cunning action, but... <laughs> They already like that's already come out. I think was that in Tasha's? Yeah, they already have steady aim. Where if they don't move, they can just say, "Hey, I'm not moving. I have advantage on this attack." Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's a pretty simple fix. <clears throat> and what it does is, if you're lying in wait for the enemy, um, like they don't know you're. Preparing an ambush. Well, I don't think that fixes anything. It just gives more people the option to use a bad cantrip. Well, he's not willing. He's not making a cantrip anymore. He's making it just an action. I know, yeah. but, but like, let him finish. Just let him finish. Okay. All right. But also, <laughs> what fixes is that it's not taking up one of your known cantrips. Like, let, let's say you're a character that has, I think some classes only get like three known cantrips. Um, you know, at lower levels, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's say you, you know, you're poor sorcerers. Like, oh, this kind of looks cool, and so you take it. That that is gonna feel horrible. 
it's gonna feel absolutely horrible, especially as you like get more into D and D and you start watching YouTube videos or podcasts and you hear someone say, Oh man, true strike is the worst cantrip in the entire game. Never take it. And you're just like in the middle of a campaign, you're like, Oh, I, I thought it was pretty cool. You didn't waste your cantrip. You get to have that if you want it. If you think that it's really going to be useful, you just get to have it and you don't have to give anything else up. Okay, I see what you're going. I think what you what your homebrew does, just from my standpoint, is it makes it more useful because it becomes a situational action um, as opposed to you having a spellcaster having to give up a whole uh, slot to make it happen uh that's what it sounds like to me then everybody one everybody can use it whether you're a martial or spellcaster um and it gives you additional way to get advantage which i think is perfectly fine i you know i don't think it needs to be something that's like a perfect move that everybody will use all the time it, it doesn't need to be that it's just becomes more situational yeah like if you make it too good then everyone will just be true striking on every turn for sure know? if it was a bonus action i'd be true striking all day <laughs> it's like oh every character can do this as a bonus action okay i'm giving up my bonus action to get i, would be, it, I would be an eldritch knight that knows true strike on this bonus action i was gonna say it would almost overshadow um barbarian's reckless attack which gives you advantage but then has the it would kickback. absolutely overshadow it because then you wouldn't have to deal with uh it, it, having I, advantage put, imposed upon you yeah it's i I still say almost because it's you you're giving up a bonus action to have that as opposed to reckless attack where you can just say well, I'm recklessly I mean, attack. There's still the trade offs. Barbarians have a lot of bonus actions. I know they have like rage. And then what? Um you're right. Like I said, I <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're right about barbarians not having a whole bunch of bonus actions. I just saying they both have their trade-offs. Um you can create a barbarian that can have other bonus actions, whether that's from you having different items, like that's playing into the game. If we're talking super early game, yes, you're right. I would definitely take two strike. But I I think I love we're kind of, I say we're getting off topic, but um I I love <laughs> maybe a little bit. Tangentially. <laughs> right so uh i i love it when D gives you a plethora of arsenal and ideas for you to be able to play however you want to play and this would add into doing that even if you're not going to use it even if like objectively speaking it's not going to be like the best option or it is blah blah blah, blah. it's more options which is really what i think D should be about you being able to have the creativity to do as much as you want even the situation of like we're lying in wait when we're preparing our I feel like your DM might just give that to you. Like if you set up a good enough ambush, your DM might be like, You have a surprise round, or hey, you all have sure, a round. sure, but now it's not even up to the DM. You as a player yes, can just do it. I guess that's for sure. Because some DMs won't do that. You're we're thinking if you're thinking of the perfect DM, or at least just a solid DM. Yeah, they might do that, but now you take it out of their hands. That's one less thing the DM has to think about because the DM already has to think about and set up a whole bunch of stuff and could easily just forget something like that. Or, you, or let's say one of your uh, one of the characters in your group doesn't roll high enough uh, stealth, and so the guy is walking along, they're almost in position, and then they're like, "Oh, there's an attacker right there." 
well, you still get to have advantage, you know, even though you don't get your um, entire free round, you, you still get some benefits for lying in wait for this ambush. It's not all wasted because your freaking cleric was clanking along in their armor. Yeah, I dig it. It gives it literally just adds to the player's arsenal. Have you, guys noticed, have you guys noticed that like in most of like the play games that we watch, it's always the people that wear the heaviest, loudest armor that want to try stealth shit? <laughs> yeah. It's always them. <laughs> yeah. They just yeah, like I mean, uh, it's yeah, something about that armor. Yeah, to no. be clear, like they it's probably oh man. I could really do something cool if I can sneak up to this guy. And like the reason they can do something that cool is because part of their um, power budget is not being taken up by the ability to be stealthy. Maybe it's just more noticeable because they tend to fail. So they have disadvantage because they're wearing heavy armor. So. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's pretty. Every everybody's looking for that. The moment the paladin says, "I stealth," they're like, "Oh, here we go!" <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Starts rubbing our temples. It only it's only zero or a hundred. Don't I'm worry, there. guys. It'll work this time. Right, and the DM, whoever they are, is just cackling their ass off because they they they. It's either going to be great for them or it's not. <laughs> So, leading in their favor. My second idea is um, just kind of like flavor items. You know, for example, um, what's that? What's that one item called? Like the Cape of Heroes, or oh, the, the Cape of Billowing. Yes, yes, the Cape of Billowing. Which, as uh, a, is it a bonus action? You can say uh, it. It <laughs> it flows as if it's in the wind. Yes. Even if there is none. Yeah. So let's say you're playing your um, paladin or cleric or something, and you just really want to have the um, like look of some holy avenger who's there to save the town. And so you really just want this item. Why not just give it to him? Or, um, you know, and so that's why that item exists. But why stop there? Let's say you're a uh, barbarian and you just want to start every single encounter by ripping off your tunic. <laughs> why not give them an item that's... Like, like Velcro pants? <laughs> not exactly... Well, I know, I know you mean like ripping your shirt off, but <laughs> so it, it like reforms. Yeah, like I would give someone an item that says, "Oh, um, when this if this item is worn and it is torn or destroyed in any fashion, whenever no one's looking, it just reforms itself." I think it would almost be better if we just never address it. Like, <laughs> like he always says. I rip off my shirt, and then we never learn how he gets his shirt back. <laughs> but it's there. It's like one of those, uh, you know, old like old uh, cartoons. Like it's almost like a uh, like a drawing error where something that was 
<laughs> something that is gone and not in the show is somehow back in a in a later episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like continuity would, error. <laughs> yeah, continuity error. There we go. It would also be better if it's never addressed, but like I'm. But thinking an of, item's pretty good too. <laughs> I'm thinking of a situation where, like, for an entire campaign, the party just notices. Wait a minute. When did he get his shirt back? And so there's they like spend the entire campaign just watching him, waiting for him to pull out a shirt. And then like they sneeze. They and like the one person who watches who is watching him sneezes and suddenly his shirt is back. And, and he's like asleep. So it's clear he's not <laughs> doing it. Okay, that shit's funny. I was going to go for it, it being much more mechanical and uh it'd be like uh the spirit of uh, the spear of lightning where you can throw it, speak its command more than it comes back. And so literally any time that the barbarian or whoever's wearing this shirt rips their shirt, they go through the fight, they finish the encounter, they speak the command word, <laughs> shirt's back, ready to get ripped again. <laughs> yeah. Or Sorry, it just this reminds me of uh there's a lot of people. The Hulk does this, obviously, but also uh Aoi Toto from Jujutsu Kaisen is always ripping his shirts. He needs this item because he is here. Let's go, brother. Brother. And that would be the command word he'd say, brother, just <laughs> or gray from fairy tale. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, gray is a good one. <laughs> Just all of a sudden, he doesn't. He doesn't rip up his clothes though. He just strips. Yeah, it's close enough. Uh, it's close enough. He just fights naked and then it comes back. Anime's weird, <laughs> and yet yeah. we love it. No oh, man. Yeah, just like if someone wants a fun item that isn't going to really increase their power at all, or if it could potentially increase their power, just add some kind of um, addendum. Like, make the item as complicated as it needs to be so that it doesn't add power, so that they can just get this really cool, fun item that kind of helps. essentially a special effect. (laughs) (laughs) All for it. Let's make the game uh, fun and interesting for everybody. And not just... Not just a bare bones hack and slash. I have a magic soundboard attached to my hip. Make D and D great again. Kiki. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, don't do that, please. Oh <laughs> please don't do the that. The phrase is cursed. It's cursed. <laughs> I already did right. it. It's already done. <laughs> All right. Um. What do you have for us? Oh my bad, Kiki. I'm no. I'm, oh, uh, okay, host. You're no, you're good. Okay, host. Please take it over. The irony of Chris saying "Okay, host" <laughs> this mofo. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You don't. Yeah, I'm looking at you. You see me looking at you at the screen. I can't, and neither can the viewer. <laughs> So, uh, Darius, it's your turn. Cool. So, um, I actually just gonna segue off of Jordan with my next with my next homebrew idea. So he was talking about flavor items. 
and I think a cool thing that uh, you I'm can talking do... about item flavor. <laughs> I want all of my items to taste like grape drink. Uh, right. <laughs> Season that with some garlic powder, some onion powder. You either can put some cayenne up in there, or you can get a little serious and get you some gochujang. Anyway, uh, so going on with the like the flavor <laughs> items, I segueing it into flavor feats. So, you know, there's a whole list of feats that you can get, and some of them are super are super effective, objectively just amazing, depending on the classes you're taking. And then there's the other ones that, like, you look at it, and it's like, what the hell is this going to do for me? Like, why is this even in here? And then you have the other ones that are like, this is really nice. I would love to take it because it would be cool, but I can't waste <laughs> the spot my one chance that i have to get a feat to take this over the supremely awesome feat over here so i posit to any dm out there that's willing to take it that you add the homebrew rule that you let all your players start with a flavor feat something that doesn't it literally doesn't break the game it doesn't add anything until like the combat mechanics it doesn't add anything like in particular to like or it, you know what it could add into like situational skills but it's a flavor like the chef feat where you can know how to cook stuff really well like that doesn't do anything in most situations that you're going to come into into dnd honestly darius i think the game would be fine if people started if everyone started with one feat i mean yeah i mean people do that too but I'm just saying, I, I even if you added one feat and you like, if you're uh, thinking what I think you're thinking, where you just add a feat and you could pick any other feats, I would yeah. still allow a second feat so that you can pick one and make that be the flavor feat. Where it's just and then like, you're a variant human, so you have your third feat yes, at level so they, one. Awesome. They can they can do whatever they, <laughs> you can do whatever you want if you want to pick. That I feat. am a chef, linguist, keen mind. But I think that that's <laughs> I think that's something that you can do like as a homebrew role to give all your players a, a flavor feed because then that allows your you allows your players to cre- be more creative with their character and gives those characters more personality, which then will add into the story that you are creating with your players. And they're not just like the barbarians, not just the humbum. I get hit, I take the damage, and then I smack you. Suddenly, it's hurt to dirt to dirt. I'm the superhuman meat shield that also knows how to carefully saute meats and broil them in the perfect way. Like that stuff is then. It, then it's awesome. Like it's not just the barbarian. It's like something I am a little sophisticated different. Sophisticated linguistic barbarian. Yeah, stuff like that. So I, I, I think that that's a great idea. Okay. The other one, I have actually several. Uh, the one that I talk, I think is like this uh, homebrew rule. <clears throat> I like a lot and I think it should truly be in everybody's D&D game. So much so it's actually, I'm, it's actually on Baldur's Gate. Like I've been playing the game and I noticed that they did the same thing. Health potions being a bonus action. Yes. God, yes. is mm-hmm. a beautiful, glorious uh, mm-hmm. homebrew rule. That really, I mean, it just really and truly just changes up the action economy for your players. Um, it changes up just how the whole flow of the game in terms of combat can be. Because suddenly, you're you don't your players don't have to choose. Oh my gosh, do I have to? Do I beat up this monster or do I try to heal myself? And it doesn't just like in the heat of the moment. Sometimes, like that can be really nice. 
because I can just create like this real tense moment. It's like, do I heal my friend or do I attack my foe? What whatever will I do? But in most of your combat situations, like it's it's not going to turn out that way. Maybe for the BBEG, like that's going to be a real climactic moment. But by and large, it's it's so much better just to give your your players that breathing room where they don't have to be like scrounging for like, okay, I got to make sure I attack here, but if I miss, but then, wow, now I can't heal myself. Now I'm like kind of really fucked about this because I can't do anything because I had to heal my friend instead of being able to like use a bonus action, like give, make the health potion a bonus action. And you either can go a step further where the bonus, the health potion could be an action and a bonus action. And the bonus action is a normal drink. And then you could do the action where they drink the health potion and it's a full action. Again, I this is really just adding into what I was talking about earlier with Jordan's true strike comment uh, and change, where like you just give more options to your players, even if they overlap in like certain ways. Like give them more opportunities to be able to do different things because that's going to make the game more interesting and more fun for everybody. Okay, I think I'm only going to pick one more. This was one that I actually found. I was like just digging around. Um, finding some more uh homebrew ideas more than i the ones that i normally do so this one uh i found on reddit actually where someone posited that you give at each session you give all your players inspiration they get one inspiration at the uh at the beginning of the session it doesn't stack so like if you you know use it or lose it all that kind of good stuff um but it could even be like a character specific inspiration and i thought that was probably the most interesting part of it so as opposed to it just giving you an advantage um you could like switch it to where like it helps with like a particular like charisma role like it's like a charisma buff like it's you give it uh a dm can like reflavor it where it like assists the character and specifically related to their class as opposed to it just being like flat out advantage so you would be like you have you go to your cleric player and you're like this is wisdom is inspiration (laughs) wisdom is inspiration like i I, i'm trying to like posit a way um i i had some examples and they literally just flit i should have wrote them down but like a cleric like trying to like get in connection with their god and rather than just get like using the inspiration to like help boost that um you could even if you want it you could say like the character's like i want to use my inspiration to help me speak with my god and you had a dc in your head and they're like they want to use their inspiration so instead of you telling them that like they can roll twice you could be like you know what i'm going to lower the dc for them for using the inspiration like that way you're using it different ways and it's a bit more it can be a bit more specific to the character um and how they're using it rather than just being a flat general um advantage role for whatever i like that i think that's all i yeah i think i like that there's several there's there's a few others that i've had but um i think those three are like pretty cool and they're interesting and different from what you um most people do except for health potions i just 100 percent want everybody to do those <laughs> Yeah, that's a great rule to yeah. not waste your full action healing someone else. And it's like not as frustrating either. <laughs> yeah, because because odds are you might have a DM like we did that targets that same person over and over again. So they get healed for some of a potion's healing, which is not a lot if you roll poorly. And yeah. then they're they're down immediately again. So you just wasted a full round. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Anything else? Um, actually, I just thought of something. So, like, yeah. um, what if True Strike so was your movement? Kind of uh, create this really cool fire mage. Um, and in your head, you're thinking, oh, they're always, they always have some kind of effect going on, like perhaps, um, okay, no, no, Let, let's say you want, you want to make a mage, any kind of mage, and their eyes are always glowing. Um, well, there are spells such as Tomaturgy that can allow you to do that. But, you know, if you're just constantly casting Tomaturgy, like, so what? If you're in battle and you don't have time to cast, or uh, is that concentration? I think it has, like, a 10-minute... It's not concentration, but it lasts for, like, 10 minutes or something. Okay, it's like... Let's say you're in some situation where you can't cast it. Um, you know, it's um, effects that in your mind your character constantly has. I would say, you know, just just let them have that. You know, it, as long as it's not something game-breaking, you know, as long as it's, once again, just something for flavor, and they're not using it offensively, defensively, um, you know, something like that. I would just say let them have it. Um, or I'm trying to think of another example. I um, I think that goes beyond home. I've been having glowing eyes on all my characters since day one. If if you have a DM that's like, no, you're a human, you don't get glowing eyes. I would I would. Highly suggest leaving that game. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty bullshit. I I think it's nice because most people don't think that way, like about you know glowing eyes and stuff. So I think that's fair to just go ahead and make it a rule or homebrew rule. Be like, hey, you can do cool cosmetic stuff because some people just don't think don't think that way. Um, some people, who knows, you may want to be like Twilight and you want to be like my character's skin sparkles in the light. But nobody's going to just sit and think about that. You're Why just going... would that be your first poll? Because people... Why on earth? There we, are we, people We were just talking love... about how cool anime is. There's Goku's spirit aura or whatever. There's... Chris, oh my not God. everybody loves anime. Not everybody enjoys anime. I know, but... There are a lot so of you go with enjoy... Twilight? There are a lot of people <laughs> that enjoy Twilight. Just because oh. you and I are not among them does not mean there's I not think, a large I'm population. Sure that, I'm pretty sure that age like cheese. Look, man, I'm just saying there's people there. They love the books and they may or may not have loved the movies. I don't know. I hadn't really watched them. But I think that it, it, you get what I'm saying, which is the point all I, I need do. to get across. There you go. But, See, even a person that doesn't like Twilight understood what I said. It's so, crazy to me that that's your first pull. <laughs> it, was, it was just a, it was an easy thought. Just wow. I, I would like to add a stipulation. Uh, the one thing you cannot apply this rule to is that your skin <laughs> glitters in the sun. Oh God, no! I mean, if you did, if you did, then like obviously there would have to be some some rules to go along with that. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know what? There is one more homebrew thing that I, I want to talk about and add. And it's one that I think everybody just like um, 
does unspoken without ever 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 talking about it because DD combat would really be boring it otherwise ignore ignore weight and rations uh okay that's that's <laughs> that is another one actually yeah, yep. that's it's so one. tedious and boring <laughs> this is true my other one is that when you're in combat that is always six seconds for any encounter is that everybody is actually able to talk and speak to each other and make quips all throughout the fight. I like to call it the anime style, anime fighting play style. Where just like Goku and Vegeta, when they're fighting whoever, Frieza Cell, Cooler, Jiro. all them, even moving at the speed of light, you can still talk and understand. Sorry, I think, I think they're faster than the speed of light now. <laughs> they probably are. They're god speed, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. it is. That is a homebrew rule. I think it's a homebrew rule. You just don't talk about it, and you just everybody just does it, does it, and everybody wings with it because it's funny. Because who doesn't want to talk in the middle of a fight? But it's six seconds. Realistically, you barely have enough time to grunt before you <laughs> before it's over. <laughs> I can't even see them. Let's have a discussion about my pride, Kakarot. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'm done. That's I did what I I realized, I remember that I really wanted to posit that one because that's there is there's I don't know if I agree with that one. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Are you sure? You want me? I because I I can I can next time we play I can I can switch that up for us. Oh, it could be a cool six seconds. Nobody gets to say a damn word. You get to like I, you, the, at best. You get to point before you swing your sword at whatever. Okay, well, six seconds is more than a grunt, but it. I find it irksome when people want to do speeches every turn. I I think speeches, yeah, full I mean, sentences. That's, I think that's a little bit different. <laughs> I I think that's all the same in six seconds. You uh, you really you really think I speeches are crazy? You're right. That's every, every swing of their sword takes a fucking <laughs> declaration of independence worth of like four scores of seven years ago. For real, I my sword like, against you. Please just swing your sword. Of Hylophor. I swing it down <laughs> in a mighty stroke. I get to I play D D once a month for three die. hours, and two of those hours are you swinging your sword. <laughs> <laughs> Please let me just play with my sorcerer. And then the B- the the BBEG, the big bad evil guy, is sitting there one health, and that he has to do his speech before he dies, and that's a whole thirty minutes that you gotta listen to him talk. On and his it's turn. like it, the time it takes everyone to do a speech, all of our characters could have done a short rest, <laughs> right? And it's right. just like I find that annoying. <laughs> Well, I get what you're saying with having anime speak, but I fear this is abusable. <laughs> well, dude, I'm not. I don't even say you don't even you don't have to make it a rule. This happens. People do this on a regular basis. I know basis. they do it. That's that's why I'm aware of like my own hatred for speaking during combat. And if you, you know, in terms of controlling the speeches, that's the the job of the DM, as it always has been, is to be like, hey, man. 
you can't just go off on a t- on a tangent on a diatribe in the middle of combat like other people want to play too. Like yeah, it's just I, that's just a DM shop. So if your DM is not really handling over. that, tell them to get their shit together. Whether you <laughs> whether you nicely in uh aggressively, however you want to say it. And do it in six seconds. And do it in six seconds. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Anything else? I'm good. Uh Let's see. I'll think you really second. you talked for a good ass minute. Why are you thinking of anything else? Because Kiki asked. Uh, I need you to refuse. <laughs> I was. I was. Yourself. I was only being polite. I was right. only being polite. I want to go play video games. Right. All right. Jesus Christ. Accuse yourself. You have nothing more to say. That's why none of us were saying anything. Very. Very. <laughs> you guys are so mean to me. And I have nothing yeah. but kindness. Yeah, oh. we have to be. Give us no choice. That shit. Yeah, I'm pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we will say adieu. Thanks for tuning in to Not Your Dance Tabletop. I almost forgot the name of the book. See you in the next episode. Not, yeah, your, not, not your pappies. Not your daddies. Not your daddies. Not your peepaws. Oh, no. Not your father. TTRPG. Not your abuelos. <laughs> Table top. Grandpa? <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> not your oppa's podcast. I mean, tabletop. <laughs> Appa, yep, yep. No, Appa, <laughs> Korean. <laughs> it's Korean. I, I love Avatar. All right, deuces. <laughs>